IE Business Podcast, brought to you by the Irish Examiner, in association with PwC. 300 experts in audit, tax and advisory services in the heart of Cork City. Hello there, and welcome to the IE Business Podcast, in association with PwC. I'm Koch Cadden and talking to me on today's episode is someone who is trying to develop Ireland's renewable energy industry, even though it often seems like an uphill battle. Statcraft's VP and Director for Ireland Wind and Solar Projects, Donald O'Sullivan, you're very welcome. Thanks, Cod. Nice to talk to you today. Nice to talk to you. Well, Dono, first of all, I have to say congratulations because you were one of the successful bidders in the most recent uh, onshore renewable uh, project auctions, also known as Res3. Uh, however, this auction overall was more unsuccessful than the two that came before it. Um, how are you feeling about the results? I'd say a bit of a mixed bag, like good for you in, in one sense, but not good overall. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, Cot. I, I look at this no denying this uh overall volume is quite underwhelming, I think, in my opinion. Uh when you compare it to the previous two auctions, uh I think Noel Kniff uh had a quote, we're slowing down at a time when we should be speeding up. And I really agree with that. I think we've fallen well behind uh what was procured in res one and res two. This auction, I think, just in terms of, of size is roughly 40% of what was procured in Res 1 and, 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 and only 30% or less than a third of uh, what was procured in Res 2. So we definitely are slowing down or getting uh, smaller volumes through these auctions for the various reasons. Mm-hmm. And you secured two solar projects. Uh, and uh, so do you think that the opportunity really is there in terms of solar rather than wind at the moment? Because it seems that it's just, it's like pulling teeth trying to get mm. wind projects off the ground, literally. I think that's a good observation and, and look just to say we are really happy with the two uh, projects that we secure there. We're looking forward to working with the communities and the various stakeholders in those projects to get them delivered by for the deadline, which is the uh, April 2027 to have those projects online. Um, and then I think your observation is correct around the wind versus solar in that basically the primary reason I think that, that it's so undersubscribed is that the lack of the wind projects getting through the planning system and you know for various reasons it does seem to be that the solar projects get a kind of a, a quicker path through the, the planning system um, so i think like if you look at it in overall numbers i just had a quick calculation this evening or uh or yesterday evening sorry i would say there was 20 wind projects procured in uh, res one there was 10 in res two and now there's only two new ones in res three so you know that tells its own story and i think what's happening here now is this is um you know there's been a lot of talk over the last 12 months about the issues in the planning system and the issues with how long it's taking to get planning decisions and we're seeing this really manifest now in the res three numbers where as i say there's only two new wind projects having got through the system here and we're basically now out of uh portfolio or our pipeline to feed these auctions. The idea was that there'd be constant run of projects coming out of these, uh, the planning system to ensure competitive auctions and to ensure that we could meet our 2030 targets. But it doesn't seem to be the case that the system is now broken and that there aren't enough projects feeding these auctions. 
Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most broken aspects of that is when you think of Ireland, you think of a windy place, you don't think of a sunny place. So it kind of it defeats the purpose. I know I know the the power of solar, but we are not a sunny country. We're a windy country. Mm. So you'd think that there'd be more emphasis on getting wind energy up and running. Yeah, like I guess it's important for me to say in my role and in Stackgrass role in Ireland, we are technology agnostic, if you like. We are developing onshore wind, offshore wind, solar and battery and grid services projects. So for us, it's about getting a mix of all this technologies through. And I do think that each of the technologies has a role to play. So even though you say the, the base resource of sun versus wind, like you say, isn't as strong in Ireland. I do think solar has a strong part to play in the decarbonisation mix, given its generation profile, which is basically its strongest during the middle of the day. Uh, when when, you know, there is quite a lot of uh, demand on the system at that that particular point in the in the overall daily cycle. So for me, I, I do think we need a mix of all the technologies. Um, I think there's particularly an issue now though on the wind and there is on the solar too because we're going from 50 solar projects in res 1 50 in res 2 down to um, 20 now here as well so it is it is a problem to a lesser degree on the solar side as well mm -hmm. and um just in terms of the auction itself it seems like the the air grid was expecting it not to be as successful i mean the procurement dropped massively uh to what they were saying originally that, that they wanted um so is what's what's does what does this mean for future auctions especially ores too so the offshore auction coming up i mean are we looking at a similar situation to what happened in the uk where there was no bidders um, potentially, I think we're slightly different in the offshore side of things where it'll be a plan led approach and it's kind of more earlier stage projects maybe than the UK. So I think we'll be slightly different on that side of things. But I look, I, I think what's important here is that the government continues to run these auctions, even with the smaller volumes, because I think, you know, whatever else happens, we should be doing all we can to get towards our 2030 tar targets, even with the smaller um, amount of projects coming through the system. I think we need to fix the issue at the start of the whole process, which is getting the projects through uh, development stage and primarily planning. And, and that then in turn will benefit wind, onshore wind, offshore wind and solar, and make sure that these auctions are uh, subscribed enough and ensure there's healthy competition, which is you know, which will drive the price down in the auctions and drive the prices down for consumers as well, which is very important. Mm -hmm. um, and just on the on the whole planning issues, it just seems like between the Department of Housing and Planning, the Department of Agriculture and Marine, uh, the newly set up Mara, which looks at uh, maritime zones on board Planola. Uh, it just seems like there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, would you like to see, I don't know, something like an energy, min like a, a renewable energy minister some or, or some sort of body? literally that cuts out all those middlemen? I think so, Cot, and I think like even if you couldn't achieve a renewable energy minister, you should have a minister for energy. Like I think at the moment there's communications and there's uh, environment which probably does go with energy uh, the way we're kind of moving towards. So I think even spitting out communications and transport from uh, energy would be a big step. I do think we should have a, a ministry just set for uh, environment and uh, and energy. I think that's a good suggestion. I think in terms of the overall process around on Borplanola and Mara, again, can see a lot of good thinking in terms of what's being put in place. I, I, 
I, I think it's about actually resourcing those bodies sufficiently that they have enough people in there to turn around the applications within a specified timeline. Like I think at the moment on board Planola has a statutory objective to decide applications within 18 weeks and the average wind farm is taking well over 60 or 70 weeks uh, and in some cases over you know two years. So um, that's for me it's the resourcing of those bodies is the key thing to get right. Mm -hmm. It almost seems like uh, which crisis are we going to deal with first? So Board Planola has, you know, it has to it's it's muddled in with the housing crisis as well. And then you're looking at the climate crisis and, you know, trying to get the renewable energy industry off the ground. In terms of uh, something I want to jump onto is there's two industries in Ireland, uh, multinationals, tech and uh, energy. And that seems to seem to have married a little bit in recent times. Uh, and Statcraft is an example of that. You know, you've entered into agreements with tech multinationals um, to to get uh, projects up and running. I think my concern and something that concerns a lot of people is that this will pave the way for renewable energy to be used solely for data centers. Can you see that kind of happening and the development of renewable energy looked at as just another business deal rather than something that could really uh, tackle climate? Um, I Yeah, I, I suppose I'd make a few uh, observations on that. Firstly, I think I really acknowledge the, the role of the, the tech companies and the foreign direct investment that we have in Ireland. I do think it's really when Statcraft are, you know, uh, when we talk to head office in Norway, it is something that really makes Ireland stand out in terms of the investment by the tech companies and the foreign direct investment that we attract in Ireland. So I think we, we need to see that as a competitive advantage that Ireland has. Um, and, 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 and basically embrace that and try to facilitate and enhance it with whatever way we can. And then in terms of uh, the, the data centers and the energy demand going towards those, I view that again slightly differently. I think what we should see there is that these um, big tech companies are stepping up and they're willing to sign contracts to procure this power and uh, basically underwrite the business cases for these projects, um, uh, which is away from the general consumer in Ireland. So basically, the tech companies are underwriting the business cases for those projects, which takes away from the subsidy that the projects would otherwise need uh, through these res auctions that the consumer would ultimately end up paying. So I think for me, it's about enhancing and embracing the advantage that we have with the foreign direct investment and the position we have with the big tech companies and also then the seeing the benefit of the corporates uh, contracting for this capacity outside of the raise auctions which is helping the overall uh, consumer in ireland i believe Mm -hmm. um, and I suppose another thing about that, uh, the relationship with tech multinationals is that the budgetary watchdog has warned the government of their over-reliance on tech companies. But if the renewable energy sector is also uh, very much relying on getting um, up and running through these agreements with tech uh, with tech companies, is that something that you see a little bit of a of an exposure for renewable renewable companies if they are reliant on, on these types of companies? contracts yeah but I, again i see it at a healthy situation where you're having um say the government procuring some of this through res auctions which it should do and we have our obligations to meet towards 2030 targets but i see the corporates then um working in tandem with that and actually supplementing it and giving projects another option in terms of route to market to 
to make sure these projects are ultimately realised. I think the other thing, Carl, that I like about the corporate PPA option is that you don't have to wait the 18 months between um, auctions to contract for the, the route to market. It's so basically if the project is ready to go, uh, sometimes you may have to wait 12 or 18 months for the government to run auction, whereas if the corporates are there, um, you can contract directly with them and the project gets re realised quicker. Mm -hmm. I suppose it is a good point. Uh, and I suppose, you know, if we're talking about renewable energy as well, we can't escape the grid, <laughs> which I think is just, it's the it's the towering, um, you know, overbearing essence that kind of overshadows the the renewable energy development in this country. Uh, but it's not unique to Ireland. Um, like, you know, the grid problems exist in other markets as well, the UK, etc. Um, but do you think that we are doing enough to kind of get ahead of the curve in uh, in increasing our capacity, decarbonizing uh, it? You know? I think firstly, we need to acknowledge that it's a big body of work that needs to get done. And I think in fairness to Airgrid and ESB, they put out the Shaping Our Electricity Future document, which sets out the vision that they'd like to upgrade the network through. And I think we need to acknowledge, as I say, that the system that's there at the moment was designed for a very different generation profile mix, where we had these large one-off, fossil fuel driven generators and we're now trying to move away from that sort of design towards more uh, dispersed uh, renewable energy smaller generators across the country so you know fundamentally that's a big change in what the grid needs to do um, and I was driving to Dublin today actually and I was coming in by Tala and I was just looking at these massive 220 kV uh, lines and I was saying this is actually we need to acknowledge this is actually what we need more of in the country. And I think it's beholden then on people like myself, people like yourself, people, other people in the industry to actually be open to the dialogue to say that in addition to um, uh, renewable energy projects such as more wind farms and more solar farms, we actually need more overhead lines and we need more substations and we need to be open and honest about that and we need to support Airgrid and ESB in their rollout of their upgrades that they have planned for the network. Do you honestly think that we will ever get to where we're trying to be by 2030? Um, do you know, like, what what is the main thing getting in the way here of achieving those goals? Uh, I know planning again, I know it's going to be planning, but like seriously, do you think it's actually achievable at this stage? So I'd say two things on that. One, I think uh, no one thought we'd get to 40% by 2020 and we did. And, you know, I've been in this uh, sector now since the mid noughties and I'm really proud that we've been able to achieve that by 2020. So uh, I do think ultimately, you know, we're not in a bad place. We've come a hell of a long way. We've done a lot of really good things. I think we need to acknowledge and, and, and say that. In terms of 2030, I do, as I say, think it's going to be extremely challenging. I think we'll probably get to the 80% of renew of electricity to come from renewables, but not by 2030. It'll probably be 2032 or 2033. And you know what, Cot? That's probably not the end of the world either in terms of we're on the right path. Um, I guess we'd all like to do it quicker. We'd all like to do it, uh, you know, in, in, in the proper time frame. But I do think given the challenges that we've just spoken about for the last 20 minutes or so, I do think it's unlikely we'll get there by 2030, but I think, you know, we should be there by 2032, 2033. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and there, there's a lot of things that the government can't really uh, control, like the inflationary environment is one of those things. Uh, all it can do is offer supports, uh, especially in the upcoming budget, which we'll, which we'll touch on in a moment. But in terms of what the renewable energy sector is doing, um, you know, there is, you can see kind of a pattern of some companies going towards cheaper Chinese manufacturers um, to kind of speed things along and, and cut out some of the, you know, some of the cost pressures um, that are in the way. So do you see more uh, renewable energy companies veering away from things like Vestas and uh, companies like Vestas and Siemens for Chinese alternatives? And I'm would not, that be a problem? Yeah. I'm not so sure I see that happening in the short term. Look, I do think we need to, again, acknowledge the good work that the mainstream manufacturers are doing in, in on the wind turbine side uh, in terms of their supply chain, their, um, you know, compliance and things like that. I, and I think, you know, big companies, say, like Sackraft and other uh, large utilities in Ireland will be very conscious of... Uh, ensuring whatever uh, supply chain that is used is sustainable and is compliant with all the EU regulations that are required uh, of such large supply chains. So I, I, I'm not so sure that I see that happening um, in the in the short term. But who's to know over the medium to longer term um, that, uh, that 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 may be the case? I'm not sure. You know, um, I think we we have a really good partners in some of the turbine suppliers that are there today. They've delivered a lot for Ireland, and I think they've shown that they can deliver challenging projects and work with developers and with government to ensure projects are realised. Let's go back to government for a second. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of uncertainty uh, with getting the renewable energy industry off the ground. Um, is that something you're concerned about with an election coming up maybe next year or the year after? Uh, is there a certain party that you think is better suited to renewable energy development or are you looking for as little change as possible at the moment? I, I think actually, I, I wouldn't say as little change as possible in terms of politically, I'm just saying in terms of structure, as little change as possible. So like I sometimes think energy and health are very similar areas in that they shouldn't be um, this election cycle you know, it's quite damaging to both of those sectors where you need this long term vision for, say, uh, hospital infrastructure and then for energy infrastructure as well. So ideally, it would be something that would, you know, depoliticize a lot of the energy issues. But look, in terms of being realistic and what's achievable, I think just in terms of keeping the auctions going, even though they're smaller and uh, they're not probably getting the volume that they can, just keeping that commitment there, that gives a signal to uh, companies and developers and supply chain that Ireland is serious about trying to hit the targets and I think especially for the offshore side of things that is really needed to know I think we've had a good over as one auction um, I think that that was it's important that those projects are able to get developed and, and through the planning system and I think you know let's not forget the stage those projects are at like they're quite different to the onshore and solar res auctions where all those projects already have a permission um, the offshore over as one projects, none of them have even applied for permission, so they need to go through all of that uh, process that we were just talking about. So I, I think in terms of politically, uh, just if we could try to keep the structures of the, the auctions running frequently and then just try to fix some of the issues around the planning and the, the grid rollout that we've been talking about. Um, 
I, I think in fairness to all political parties in this day and age, I think most are committed to the 80% by 2030 are trying to achieve it. So I think that fundamentally, and we have our legislation now that has come in to kind of enshrine that, I think that protects to some degree the, the, that there shouldn't be too much change um, depending on who gets in at the next election. Okay, so you wouldn't you wouldn't be opposed to a new party coming in is that what you're saying yeah yeah like there's there's none of them that i would be saying um i'd be saying you know it's really is a a threat to the sector like as i say i think there's nearly cross-party support for the 80 percent. so i think ultimately and fundamentally that support is there it's about then the mechanics of the day-to-day issues that we've been talking about who's best place to fix those who really wants to get engaged with them who wants to resource them and who wants to maybe, like you say, have uh, an energy ministry as opposed to bundling energy in with two or three other uh, portfolios. Is there anything that the energy industry is looking for or have you enough? Is it like we're, we're sick of asking um, the man with all the goods to deliver like we have all the goods, we actually just want action now? Or is there actually is there something around capital investment or something that is still missing? Um, th- th- not so much in the investment side of things. I think it is around the mechanics and that's, I know that's quite, uh, you know, not a headline thing or it's quite boring to maybe talk in that, uh, way, but I do think it's around getting the zonings for wind and solar farms. Correct. Like we're now seeing some instances where, um, projects have been so long in the planning system that the zonings in the counties have changed and those projects now have been refused planning because of the new zoning. And they would have, if the board had stuck to their original timeline, they would have been decided under the the initial zoning or county development plan and would probably have been granted permission. So I, I think it's around things like getting the zoning correct, getting the timelines fixed, trying to get things like the north-south interconnector built. I think, you know, those infrastructure, they're important and they're important for um, the consumers in Ireland. And I think, you know, it's... It's trying to get some leadership on some of those thorny issues and uh, and make sure that, you know, we can deliver cheap cost of uh, renewables in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I think that's everything. Uh, I think that's a good enough uh, point to leave it on. What do you think? Yeah, no, look, Cod, it's been great talking to you. And look, hopefully we can maybe do something like this again after race four and we maybe things have improved and 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 all race two has happened and and that has got off to you know a good start as well but uh you look let's see i'm optimistic i think we we will get to the targets as i say we may be a year too late but that won't be the end of the world either yeah it won't be hopefully it won't be um we won't be talking about armageddon with reds four and it's like there's no no bidders and it's a disaster hopefully uh it picks up the pace again but donald thank you so much for talking to me today i really appreciate it no problem Carl. thanks for having me thanks very much join me for another episode of the ie business podcast next week the ie business podcast brought to you by the irish examiner in association with PwC, 300 experts in audit, tax and advisory services in the heart of Cork City.